0: Hey guys and welcome again to the Awkward Black Nerd Podcast. I'm Daisy Kane and hopefully you guys are having a great day. I'm um, sorry if I sound like a little blah. I'm just a little emotionally drained because of current events plus it being the middle of the week and I just know that it's been a kind of a disheartening time for a lot of people but hopefully you guys are powering through. I know I'm trying to and um not that I haven't had other good things going on. I've been like, I've been very inspired lately. I've been focusing a lot more on my writing career. Um, I been trying to prepare for like a poetry book I have coming out. I'm still trying to figure out the date on that. Um, as well as I'm working on another like two other books. Plus I do have like a, um, a book that's already out and published entitled My Brother's Keepers on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, shameless plug. And actually speaking of that, I actually got like a really cool like review um, from someone and it was kind of detailed and I just thought that was kind of interesting and it just kind of like, it brought a smile to my face because it's kind of like, you encourage, like especially as a writer, you encourage people to give you reviews and stuff. And I just like that, how even though like me being a writer is still kind of like, Queen is still kind of modest. It's just something that I've always loved and it's a passion of mine. And that's kind of what this um this episode's about. It's kind of like how writing has impacted my life and how it like impacted my life in a very important way. Um like I said before, like writing has been a huge part of my life um ever since I was like in elementary school, like I remember I had a third grade teacher miss- named Mrs. Albright. All- I hope I'm saying, uh, yeah, that's how you say her name. But I just remember that she um she was the one that really encouraged me to get into writing. Like she she showed me what a thesaurus was and she basically just said, Don't be afraid to like, you know, use the English language. You have a talent, you know, just don't be lazy about your writing. If it's something that you're into, you can totally do it. She's like the first person that kind of saw something in me. And plus, like, um, like I was always that weirdo and um <laughs> and especially when I moved to um in Virginia Beach from Norfolk like I was that kind of that weird girl that always had like a notebook and like um it was kind of like a journal where I was always writing like thoughts from like that I was feeling or just like short stories or poems and stuff so that carried on to when I was in high school and I remember when I was in high school like I used to write like I had like this poetry book I think I still actually have it upstairs it's like poor things falling apart where I have like this poetry book and where it had like songs and just like things that I was going through especially like relationships and stuff and just like silly little things and like I remember also writing a fan like a lot of fan fiction in high school <laughs> like I'm not gonna tell you what it was about because it's kind of embarrassing boy band related that's all I'm gonna leave it um but like I said I also write a lot, wrote a lot of poetry and it's actually funny about like fan fiction fan fiction is actually kind of was the thing that kind of helped me through like a really crucial part of my life and actually the title of this like episode is gonna be is kind of based on that like basically I'm gonna discuss how fan fiction <laughs> actually helped me through postpartum depression um I had giving birth to my daughter back in 2015 like she's my one and only she's like five years old now she just started kindergarten she's like my she's my heart like she she's my everything but just like I'm not gonna lie just transitioning into motherhood was just like a tough thing and even now there's still days where I struggle with it but just like the beginning of it was just really really brutal and I think a lot of it had to do with like Plus, like, it didn't help that I, like, I have hit like, I'm open about this. Like, anybody that knows me, and anybody that knows me, especially, like, recently, I've talked about, like, I've had histories, like, I've had, like, a history of, like, anxiety and depression, and, um, like, I've had, like, panic attacks in the past and stuff, and, like, I take medication for my anxiety now. It's, like, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, but I just remember, like, growing up, I never had, like, I was never able to get, like, a whole, like, full handle on it. Like, I remember, like, I was just told that I'm just naturally anxious. And I just never, like, I think the only time I really, like, addressed it when I was, like, younger was, like, I remember kind of seeking therapy when I lived in New York City briefly. Like, I stayed with my aunt and my cousins in, like, Brooklyn. And, like, I came across this clinical trial where, like, They were kind of testing, like, this new, um, medication. It was, like, um, I think it was a drug for, like, anxiety. It was, like, a, um, trial. And I remember, like, I remember it paid well. It was, like, every two weeks you get, like, over a 100 bucks. You talk to a therapist for, like, an hour. And, then like, they check your general health and they draw some blood to make sure there's no side effects. And I remember talking to the therapist and I remember it was, like, amazing. Like, I told, like, I opened up to her about, like, how... I was like the tough time, like because long story short, I was going through a tough time before I moved to New York City. That's kind of the reason why I left because like there was like issues going on with like my parents and stuff, and I didn't handle it well. Sorry. Plus, I'm sorry. I had like something going on with my fingernail. Plus, I was going through stuff. So, and it was nice to talk to the therapist. Unfortunately, I had to cut the trial short because one of the um state um, st- one of the stigmas um one of the Trying to word it correctly. Basically, they had to like they had to. And I couldn't take the trial any longer because I had a past of like having a suicide attempt, and they were worried that it might because it was like a um it was an experimental drug, and they were still trying to like I guess work out the bugs. They didn't. They thought I was at risk of like having more suicidal thoughts because I've had them in the past, and so they didn't want to like. I guess it was like a liability issue. So unfortunately, I had to stop. Although the therapist encouraged me to come back, but unfortunately at that time I didn't have like health insurance because basically I had a job, but I was, but the job was like part-time it was really shitty and they didn't offer like health insurance and, you know, so I couldn't really afford to go, but I still managed to like, I guess, keep like my anxiety under control over years. Not really. It's like, I kind of like, I had it, I managed it a lot. Like I just kind of like, I guess muddled through. So let's just say like I guess I had a lid under it like I had a like a lid on a, a lid on it I can't talk today so um I guess like as I got older I like kind of managed it but you could tell it was still like bubbling like under the surface a little bit like I had a had control of it but not really having control over it um but um you know fast forward to years later meet the love of my life we get married you know we enjoy being married couple, we moved upstate New York, realized we want to start a family, and, you know, 30th birthday, I get pregnant, hope that's not too much TMI, but that's what happened, and, um, I'm not gonna lie, um, I enjoyed being pregnant, kind of, like, it sucked that I did have to go on moderated bed rest for a little bit. And I ended up having to like leave work earlier than intended to. Although I think it was kind of a good thing because I was working customer service for like a vision insurance company and it was like super stressful, but, and that's kind of the reason, like one of the many reasons why I had to go on moderated bed rest, moderated, bed. Be- moderated, moderated bed rest. I am sorry. It's like, I'm muttering. It's cause I'm talking really fast. Um, but it was kind of a tough pregnancy too, because, um, even though I only gained 12 pounds, so I didn't gain a lot of weight during the pregnancy, but because I had other health issues, like I had high, like I have a history of high blood pressure and hypertension, plus there's like risk um, factors in my family of diabetes. Luckily, I didn't get diabetes, but I was at high risk of getting preeclampsia and I was at, I was at risk of getting like other, having other complications. So it was In the end, it was kind of a tough pregnancy. Although, I enjoyed being pregnant. Although, I'm not going to lie, the last, like, month and a half was brutal. But, you know, all in all, like, I was more... I was lucky that I was able to get induced. Like, the labor itself was... It was tough, but, you know, I had a healthy baby. And she's, like, she's amazing now. Like, I love my daughter Natalie Deaf. So, but I'm not going to lie, like, even though, like the labor itself and I had a healthy baby I still had a hard time adjusting to motherhood because not only did we just like we moved to a new area um so we moved to upstate New York I was still trying to like get to know people like I had a couple of friends but I wasn't really close with anybody up like up here and then like I was away from like a lot of my family like even though I had a family in New York but they're still like two hours away from us so they're not like I can't run straight down to them. And like, you know, all like, both of our like parents are down south. So being away from family. And then it was just a tough transition also because we were going back on the fourth on the idea of whether or not I was going to be a stay at home mom because the childcare up here, childcare in in general is like ridiculous, but childcare up here is like cray. And, you know, we were going back and forth. Like we didn't make the decision that I was going to officially be a stay at home mom until like the day before I went into active labor at the hospital. So with that too. And even then, when I finally made a decision, it was still like, it was still super tough on me because I've been working since I was like 16 years old. And I wasn't used to like, just saying, okay, I'm going to give up. Like, it's not like I necessarily had like a career, but I was so used to working and so used to like, one thing and it was just like it was a transition within itself becoming like a mom and then on top of that you know I felt like I was kind of giving up an identity of course it's like it kind of was like a weird transition where I was becoming someone that like it was hard to figure out who I was so I was having a tough time like adjusting plus I was having like a hard time like recovering like I became anemic at one point and plus there was um I was having a hard time breastfeeding um, and plus like, I was kind of aware of like anybody that's been pregnant or anybody like, like a woman in general, like, you know, when we go through, you know, issues, like if we have our period or if we go through like childbirth, we have like certain, sit like, you know, there's certain symptoms like mood swings and like crying fits and things like that. But I remember right after childbirth, like there's this thing called baby blues. Uh, Like it's a familiar term where it's, like I said, it's mood swings and you have like crying spells and there's anxiety. But then like, you know, on top of that, you have the insomnia because you're like, you know, waking up hours of the night to feed your baby. Plus, you know, you're trying to like adjust to like your body healing and plus you just become irritable. So like, I started having those symptoms, but then I realized that like, those symptoms were coming, becoming more and more. And like, I was kind of aware of it, but people like, like, I really didn't have, like, you kind of really don't have conversations about it. Like I really didn't have like a full blown conversation about like those symptoms and like, actually like, but I'm, but like I said, it's like normal for women to go through that, especially after childbirth, actually like 10% of women will experience some kind of depression and actually, it's considered the most common complica- um, complication of childbirth. And actually, fifteen percent of women experience more severe cases. And there's higher percentages when you think about it. When there's like other factors such as like poverty or even like teen pregnancy like that. But the symptoms I were having, I realized weren't didn't disappear. Like even after I was like pretty much like like after like. I think it was like six to eight weeks, like, they tell you to give your chance, like, your body a chance to heal up, but then I realized it was, like, like, two months later, and I was still kind of, like, something didn't feel right, and then, like, I started, like, I realized that, like, my mood swings were becoming more severe, um, luckily, I didn't have difficulty, like, bonding with my, like, daughter, but, um, I realized I was becoming more withdrawn from, like, certain things, like, wanting to hang out with certain people and things like that or just having like conversations when like family would call to check on me I kind of felt like detached a little bit and then I realized like my eating habits changed severely like I started emotionally eating which has always kind of been a thing of mine like ever since like I was a kid but it kind of became like severe when I became like older I realized that and then I was just I had like a reduced interest and then Looking back on it, like I remember talking to my doctor about it like during like one of the common visits, and I was and she said, and she told me I might be going through postpartum depression, and it's like I've heard of the term, but I never like had a fully uh, like a uh, great understanding of it like I saw it in like one of my books um you know when what to expect when you're expecting but I kind of like went glanced over it, which was kind of dumb on my part, especially since I have a history of like anxiety and like you know depression and stuff but it's like I said it's pretty common um for women that after childbirth and like I said the symptoms are mood swings you have difficulty bonding with your child um you become withdrawn from family and friends you lose your appetite or in my case emotionally eating you have reduced interest in like general things um plus there's other um there's other symptoms like restlessness lack of concentration Sometimes you could be intensely angry. And then there's other symptoms. Like, I I remember when I knew it was becoming an issue because I started having, like, my anxiety started going, like, through the roof. And I thought, like, okay, well, it's just my hormones. But I started having, like, these thoughts of, like, not necessarily, like, shame or unworthiness, but, like, thoughts of, like, hopelessness. Because, like I said, it was, like, a tough transition for me because, like, I gave up working and I'm thinking okay I'm gonna have to do this for at least like four or five years so is this my life now where I'm just like mom and I just clean up after people and that was just like a really tough thing for me and then like I just remember like the thoughts just kept getting worse and worse to the point where I started getting like thoughts of like self-harm and you know suicide and for a second I thought it was like postpartum psychosis but luckily what I was going through was just postpartum depression not to be mistaken with um, postpartum psychosis which is actually a rare condition that is typically developed in the first week after childbirth and it's kind of like the same symptoms but there's more symptoms of like hallucinations and paranoia and you have obsessive thoughts and you have more like intense thoughts of like self-harm and suicide and luckily it didn't get to that point but there's like a small percentage where other women aren't that lucky and even like I didn't realize that even fathers can go through postpartum depression too because it's like a tough transition for them as well so luckily um luckily I was able to get like a grasp of it when I was able to talk with, him with my primary care doctor and she helped me realize that even though I have a history of like anxiety and like depression that what I'm going through is isn't my fault. And I think that's like what a lot of people that go through postpartum depression have to kind of realize is that they have to realize that, um, it's not a, like, it's not a weakness and you don't have like a character flaw. You're not a horrible mom. And I know I definitely came to that conclusion when I started journaling my feelings a lot, because that's something I didn't always when growing up. Like if I was going through like a really tough time, I would, like, journal my feelings just to get them out there, especially when I felt like I didn't have anybody to talk to. And that helped me out a lot, especially, like, when I got to the point where I actually contemplated taking my own life When I Like, I remember writing a letter to, like, say goodbye to my loved ones. And by the time I got to my daughter, like, I don't know, something in me snapped where I was like, what the F am I doing? And I remember taking out, like, my journal in my closet and just writing down what I was feeling, like, I f- like my feelings of helplessness. And just, like, once I got it all out, I just remember to have this big cry. And it just felt so cathargic. And I made it a point to just start journaling my feelings after that. And what came out of that is the more I started journaling, the more I got inspired just to write in general. And that turned into me, like whenever I did have free time where like if I was like up late or like in between cleaning or you know in between like Natalie taking a nap I would just start writing like other things like started writing short stories just for fun and that turned into me like going like looking for other short stories online and then I I don't know how I came across it I think somebody I think either a friend suggested it to me or, like, I remember looking at it when I used to do, like, YouTube videos that Tumblr used to have, like, people used to post their short stories on there. So I started doing it just for fun. And then that kind of snowballed into this huge thing where I started writing fan fiction. And I did that for, like, maybe, like, the first two or three years that, of Natalie being born. Like, I just did it for fun it was like a hobby it became a hobby of mine And it was something that I enjoyed like it was silly but it was fun like I enjoy like creating characters and creating his own little world and funny enough I ran like I started talking to other people that did the same thing and I formed like a couple of friendships with people like shout out and by the way shout out to um, Heather in Canada Um Ariel I think she's in Florida, um, Becca, she's out west, um, shout out to Chani, shout out to Amanda, and shout out to Lillian from Jersey, um, I still have your Christmas card, by the way, That's if you're listening to this, and it was cool to, like, connect with other people and stuff that shared the same passion, and I just, it became fun, and, like, somehow that snowballed into me just being, like, inspired to write again, because, like I said writing kind of like impacted my life and like I always thought of myself as a writer and it kind of inspired me to get back to this one project that I was working on before I moved to upstate New York and long story short like me writing fan fiction kind of inspired me to get off my ass and finish this book I was working on like years ago and actually I was able to get it published. And I just re-released like the second edition of it this year and I think that's just amazing that something so small and so um something so small helped me out of the darkest place of my life and plus I thought it was cool that like it kind of inspired me to open up about how I was feeling so like I decided to like talk with more about it with my primary care doctor plus like When I finally opened up to like my loved ones, like I discovered there was a program that through my husband's job that offered like therapy sessions, like they offered up to like eight therapy sessions. So I was able to connect with like a licensed therapist and that kind of like got me on track to, that kind of got me on track to get my mental health under control and, you know. Luckily, I was able to, like, overcome my postpartum depression, and I just know some people aren't so lucky, and to anybody that's going through postpartum depression, you know, you can just do like I did. You don't necessarily have to journal, but you can, like, contact—like, I suggest that, like, especially if you realize that you have these symptoms and they don't disappear, like, after at least two weeks— I would contact my doctor or like if the symptoms worsen or you feel like you're having difficulty caring for your child or you just have difficulty like doing like daily tasks or you do think there's like you do you think there's like a fear of you doing harm to yourself or like you know ending your life I really suggest spe- seeking help like you can speak with your partner your loved ones you can even like even if you don't have anybody close to you you can even just call 911 and, or just get in touch with like your local emergency like uh, emergency assistant like assistance and they can like direct you to someone to speak with and plus I said plus there's like I said the primary care you can like research looking to get in touch with like a mental health professional and also there's other things like um, the national suicide prevention hotline um, they also have a website um their number is 1-800-273-TALK and their website is suicidepreventionlifeline.org um, to somebody who is more spiritual you can talk to your minister spiritual leader or anybody that you seek for you know spiritual guidance i remember when i was going through postpartum too i remember using this website called seven cups it's um they offer like a lot of free services they have exercises it's amazing you can they offer like therapy they offer they offer things where you can talk to like a certified therapist but if you can't afford it there's people that like aren't necessarily like qualified but they're willing to listen to you talk you can say whatever you want to them and they can give you resources to you know seek help or they can just give you some kind of insight because sometimes it's nice to talk to somebody that you don't even know about what you're feeling and just get some like outside perspective And then also, um, the last number I'm going to give out is, um, it's a year round 24 hour treatment and referral information service for, um, people that have, um, mental disorders or are suffering from substance abuse disorders. The number is 1-800-662-HELP. And that's like, that offers like other things as well, where it's like, gives you resources like programs and things like that. And that's pretty much it. Like I said, like... I I know that like talking about mental health is tough for some but there is help out there and to anybody that is listening just know you are not alone in your feelings and hopefully you are gonna take this discussion and hopefully seek help and I'm gonna post like also like the numbers and the um things I suggested on my Instagram which is by the way awkward blurred girl um, you can also look for me and those numbers on my Facebook, which is the Awkward Black Nerd Podcast. And hopefully you guys have a great afternoon. Um, hopefully you're making good choices. Hopefully, despite current events, we just remain hopeful. And that's why it's important now more than ever to go out there and vote. We can't make change unless we unify And shed light on injustice. And hopefully you guys have a great afternoon. And talk to you guys soon. If you are suffering or know someone that is suffering with their mental health. Or is having suicidal thoughts. Please contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. The number is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-TALK. You can also contact our website, which is the suicidepreventionlifeline.org. You can also contact 1-800-662-HELP, which is a year-round 24-hour treatment referral information service for those suffering and facing mental health or substance disorders. That number again is one 800 help